0: This podcast is brought to you by jewishpodcast.org. dot org. Start your very own podcast today at jewishpodcast.org. dot org. I got an air of Shabbos. Hope everyone is well. We'd like to wish Shmalsov to Mr. and Mrs. Arundava Machlis on the upcoming Bar Mitzvah of their son Yonah this Shabbos. May they see much nachas from him, from all of their children. A special Shmalsov to the grandparents, Mr. and Mrs. Shmuel Prager ponder by mitzvah of their grandson, may they see much nachas from this grandchild and from all of their children and grandchildren. As we come to parashas Vayechi, we come to the end of Sefer Beratius, we come to the end of the Jewish, that stage in Jewish history, maybe you can call the good years before the years of Shebod, before life for the Jewish people becomes significantly more difficult, Klai becomes slaves, the work begins, and life changes. Yaakov Inu imparts to us in this week's parish, some very important messages and lessons of how a Jew survives during the most difficult of times. Yaakov Avinu knew that there was going to come some very difficult time for his children, his grandchildren, and future generations. And in this week's parish, the advice that he gives them is unbelievably timely for us as well. Especially the situation we find ourselves in currently, Matzif in Eretz Unfortunately, the war continues to go on, and sadly we are losing more people every single day. And the messages that Yaakov Avinu will impart to his children, this week's parasha, will ring clearly in our ears. The tells us that Yaakov Avinu tells Yosef that I'm going to give you a gift, a present, because you agreed seemingly to bury me in the air to Israel, something which I wanted so, so badly. And I asked you and I requested of you, I'm going to give you something, I'm going to give you the city of Shechem as a, a token of appreciation, almost a thank you for what you did for me. And he gives Yosef a little bit of history. He says, I want you to know, how did I get the city of Shechem? Becharbi Kashti. I got this with my sword and my bow. Cheriv is a sword and kashti is an arrow. Seemingly with war, through difficult fighting and battling, I was able to take over the city of Shechem. Rashi quotes that what he was referring to over here with the words charbi and kashti is chokmosi utfilasi. Charbi and Kashis doesn't mean literally the, the sword or the, or the uh, bow and arrow, but rather it means with chachma and with Tfila. So why the analogy to a, a bow and arrow? What is the similarity to keshis, the bow and arrow represent? So many of the Mepharshim explained the way a bow and arrow works is it will only go as far as you pull it back. A tefillah will only be as productive. It will only go as far as the person putting into it that amount of energy. If a person takes a bow and arrow and puts no effort, no energy, no strength into pulling back that bow, that arrow won't go anywhere. But if a person pulls it back with all his energy and all his strength and he gives it all he has, you'll see that arrow will go flying way beyond what he ever could imagine. That is the way our tefillahs work. If we come to shul and we come to davening, we just spit it out, we just say the words, we mumble through the davening, then our tefillahs don't go very far. But however, if there's feeling, there's, 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 feeling, there's emotion, there's Pirish Amil is basic understanding of what we're saying, some heart and emotion behind the tefillah. Then the tefillah goes unbelievably much further than we ever could have imagined. That's what Chazal are telling us about the power of our tefillah. Yaakov was telling Yosef, let me explain something to you. The Jewish people are not famous and we're not known and we're not individual, individualized because of our charbi and our kashti. We didn't defeat Shechem because we had a powerful army, because we have an IDF, because we have tanks and we have bombers. It's our and our kesh, doesn't mean literally those instruments that are used, but it's what's behind the instruments. It's the tefillah, it's the prayer that goes behind that, that goes together, that helps that and that kesh, that's how Qalai Yisrael is successful. And Yaakov is talking to us as much as he was to his children back then, explaining to them, if you want to succeed, you want to, you want to be okay, you want to manage through a difficult time, you might need to use a cherev and a keshis, Because of course, they killed out the city of Shechem using a cherev and a keshis. They used instruments. They used artillery. But that's not what won the war. And that's not what's going to win the war today for us in Eretz Yisrael. Of course, we need to have an army. And of course, we need to have weapons. And of course, we need to have soldiers. But at the end of the day, the tefillah is going to be our biggest and most powerful tool that we have to defeat our enemies. I want to share with you an amazing story about the power of tefillah on this current war right now in Eretz Yisrael. There was a fellow, that was, there was one of the Frum Yiddin who, who was in the army, he was in Gaza, and his general, person on top of him, his boss, so to say, came over to him and said, come here, I need you for a mission. Now you have to remember his boss, the general, is absolutely not from whatsoever. Zero relationship to Yiddishkeit, zero connection, nothing, nothing, nothing to do with anything spiritual or anything religious in his life. And he comes over to this religious soldier, he says, I need you, I have a mission for you. He says, what can I do? What's the mission? He says, I need you to pray. And the soldier looks at his boss and says, what? Pray? <laughs> you know, he was shocked and surprised by the request of his... Of his uh, of his leader, but this he's thinking to himself: What is my what does he want with with pray? This guy has no shaykh, has no connection. He's never daven, doesn't know anything about Davin, He's so disconnected. But in the army, we all know when you are told to do something, you do what you are told. So he, st- he goes and he says he says this about himself. He says it wasn't easy to Davin. in the middle of a war. He can't just on on a dime concentrate. He said it wasn't his best tefillah, but for fifteen minutes. He recited him, and he davened for something. When he finishes his davening, and he felt it was not his best davening because of the situation, his uh, boss, his commander comes over to him and gives him the biggest hug in the world. And he tells him, you should know you saved the day. And now the soldier is completely confused what is going on over here. So his commander told him, let me tell you what happened. We, we were at a very difficult situation at this time. We had a bunch of troop carriers that got stuck in Gaza City, very vulnerable, to attack, and there's nothing we could have done. We couldn't get ammunition to them, we couldn't get backup to them, we were totally at a loss. And as the commander, as the chief of this operation, I was at my wit's end, there was nothing I could do. And I realized, you are a religious man, you're familiar with prayer, and I called on you to pray. And you prayed, and you know what happened? Somehow, some way, things started moving, and all of those soldiers that were in a very, very dangerous situation, miraculously, all survived. So to me the, the amazing part of this story is that this non-religious Jew realized without any direct connection to HaKadosh Baruch, he realized that when all avenues fail and when all roads don't seem to lead to any good conclusion there's always tefillah. Even a Yid who's so far removed from Yiddishkeit he knew that when everything else looks so bleak and so depressing it's going to be tefillah. And ultimately the tefillah saved all of those soldiers. So right now we can't take for granted the amazing ability that we have to wear Tfila. tefillah. Every Tfila, every tehillim, everything that we say for our chenah bin Yisrael can be literally saving lives. Literally changing the outcome of this war. But unfortunately I feel, maybe it's just me, but I feel like as the war wages into its 82nd, 83rd day, it loses a little bit of what it was in the beginning. In the beginning we were all very fired up. We were all very all in. And I hope everyone still is. And Maybe I'm just speaking for myself. But after a while, you come a little desensitized. Say, okay, this is part of life, you know, we move on, we get back to life. But we can't forget, there are Jews, there are Yiddin, that are a terrible tzara right now. Their lives are at risk every single day. So what can we do to keep that in our mind, to keep it fresh? I believe the answer lies in Rashi in this week's parasha. What did Rashi tell us? That you have to fight betfilo? Rashi said it's tfilo v'chachma. So I wanted to say, maybe what Rashi means is, you have to daven with Chachma. Not just go to war with Chachma, which of course you need, but maybe you need to daven with Chachma also. It doesn't mean to daven with Chachma. You have to come up with a way to be creative in your davening. Use a little Chachma to make your davening more more exciting, less stale. Of course we daven the same thing every single day, three times a day. The same text, the same words. It can easily become somewhat rote, Routine and perhaps even stale, Chasmishal. So, Chazal are telling us you gotta use Chachm, you gotta get, use some creative knowledge to make the Tfila more real, to make it less old and routine and more relevant to the time you find yourselves. I'm sure when, we, when we're not feeling well and we get better, Rif'ainu takes on a whole new meaning. And when we do perhaps something inappropriate that day, Slachlanu takes on a whole new meaning. And if we have a big exam, a test, or something big at work, Das takes on a whole new meaning. All of these things, we just have to connect to the tefillahs that we're saying and bring them into our practical life. And then we'll realize how we can change our davening. Because our davening is now infused not just with tefillah, we're using chachma, we're using wisdom, creativity, to keep our davening fresh, to keep our davening uh, real. And this way we can ultimately make a very, very big change and difference. And what is going on. I believe it's so, it's, um, it's unbelievable how Yaakovina was telling his children so many years ago. The lesson of life is live by the tefillah. In the Gaisha world, they live by the sword. We live by the tefillah. Of course, we have swords, we have weapons, we have an army. Baruch Hashem. But We know who's behind it. Let's, let's realize what Yaakovina was teaching his children so many years ago. And realize this is the only way we're getting out of this very, very difficult situation. Hashem. We should be Mechazic ourselves in our tefillas. We should realize what our tefillas can do, how powerful they are, the difference that they make, and try to ensure that they don't become stale, it doesn't become routine. We take it seriously. Every tehillim that we say is with heart, with feeling. Imagine that soldier that's, that's between life and death, and our tefillah can be a difference. Imagine all those soldiers that are in a very difficult predicament, and our tefillas can be the difference. Between survival and Chas the opposite. all our Tfilah should be heard. All our Tfilah should be accepted. We should be zayich that all the soldiers should come home soon. All the soldiers should be able to return to their families. In good health, in good physical situation. Hashem, the end of this war will be marked with the arrival of Mashiach. And together, as a unified class, we will greet Mashiach. Have a wonderful Shabbos.